0: Santan and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host Alexander.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix ninety three point eight FM, and as always, available as a podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. My name is Alexander Leibner. This is edition eighty four, week thirty eight of the Santon Times Hour, and we're still in September. 2022. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at santontimes.co.za. We can connect on social media at Santon Times. We can visit the website www.santontimes.co.za. Send us your questions, your comments, and uh, your thoughts. It's always great to hear from you. And as you know, you're part of the conversation, and you're part of the Santon Times, our nation. If you're listening to this. Thank you for making the time every week to listen and to show your support as you tune in from all around the world and greater parts of South Africa, from the heart of darkness, wherever you are, to the heart of darkness in Santon. I'm happy to report to you that all is well in Santonland. And Vincenzo, you're back again. I'm glad you see you made it through MixFest. How was it? Good. Okay, great. He had a good time. And uh, I see there were a lot of you there on Saturday. It looks like uh, you had a smashing time. I was there for uh, some of the afternoon. And uh, congratulations to the team who made it all happen. And of course, to you for coming out and supporting local talent. The WhatsApp line is open as well as 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 the social media channels. So please feel free to make use of those and to uh, share your thoughts, your feedback, your comments. And uh, let's have a quick look at uh, the week that was in uh, my diary. Well, Wow, Queen Elizabeth II passed away and uh, we're going to touch on that briefly in this coming hour. Uh, then 21 years since September 11th this past weekend. I'm sure you can remember exactly where you were when that unfolded and it'd be great to hear from you uh, Yeah, where you were. I can remember very clearly where I was and it's unbelievable how time has just passed so quickly, 21 Years. Then I had a fabulous dinner at a new spot in Rosebank called Chunky Chow, Pan Asian restaurant, uh, with some unbelievable decor and some really great eye for detail when it comes to experience. And I'll be posting a review up on the website later this week here to tell you all about Chunky Chow. Then I played some golf on Friday with the uh, BMW santon at nowhere else but the River Club. Let me tell you what a swanky place the River Club. It was a long hot day. I had a great four ball, a very gracious four ball, let's put it that way. I saw parts of the River Club that I think very few people have seen. It was really an off-road experience for me and uh, I think I got my money's worth. If I'd paid for that round of golf, I think I would have really gotten the mileage. I have a feeling we get a phone call from uh, Discovery Vincenzo. I think Vitality wants to know what happened on Friday, why I got so many steps in. Unbelievable. And then I got stung by a bee in the hand, let me tell you. (laughs) And then you have to still play golf. A big thank you to uh, Matthew, Danica, and the team at uh, BMW Santon for the invitation and for allowing an avid golfer to be part of your very prestigious golf day. Let me tell you, the winner of this goes to uh, Sun City and then represents South Africa in this internal BMW tournament in Mauritius. And uh, I'm proud to say that uh, Ethel, who played on my team, she won for the ladies, so she's going to Sun City in January. And a strength to you, Ethel, on uh, taking something home at Sun City. The National Geographic, they launched their new programming to the media this week. Let me tell you, there's some very cool content on the horizon. And we also had a chance to ask Bear Grylls some questions. Hey, Bear Grylls. I felt like Bear Grylls at the River Club this past week on Friday playing golf. Anyway, coming up on this week's episode, she's one of the longest serving monarchs in history and her passing has left both sorrow and questions as to how this moment signals a new era for the UK and of course the Commonwealth. I'll be catching up with a former colleague of mine on the ground in England for an update. Then it's a service we've most likely all used more than once and it's bringing a whole list of new features on board. I'll be getting an update for you, so stay listening. After that, geeks, gamers, and comic book fans unite as one of the biggest expos focused on all things comics returns to Johannesburg. And I'll be getting all the details for you. And finally, if you're a major foodie, like a major foodie, or you're looking for a bougie date night idea, then I have a secret to reveal right at the end of this hour. You won't want to miss this one. Your headlines for the week are coming up shortly, but as always, a bit of music to set the tone for the hour ahead.
0: you're listening to the santan times hour this is the santan times
1: hour and that was gamper and dadoni with bittersweet symphony featuring emily on mix 93.8 fm and it's time to take a look at your headlines for this week well load shedding is back again And uh, we were on stage three towards the end of last week. Then we moved up to stage four on the weekend, and then back to stage three. And then, fingers crossed, stage two for the rest of the week until Friday, unless something else changes. In an ESCOM statement, uh, it reads a generation unit at Kendall was forced offline for emergency repairs, while a unit each at Majuba, Letabo, and Camden power stations as well as Hydro de Cahora Bassa in Mozambique were shut down for critical plant maintenance in preparation for the week ahead. So, Willitreo and the Night Hob set out to conquer the nothing across the Desert of Shattered Ops and the Swamps of Sadness through the Magic Mirror Gate onwards to the Sea of Possibilities and restore power to the Tatuka Power Station at Ingula Pumped Storage Scheme with the help of the Old Man of the Wandering Mountain. Stay watching in this never ending story reimagined. I don't know about you, <laughs> but when is enough too much? This is unbelievable, this load shedding story. And I know we shouldn't complain. I mean, I suppose we should, but we shouldn't. Anyway, let me just move on. There's an arsonist wanted. The individual believed to be responsible for many arson attacks in and around the Johannesburg area has been identified by police in Gauteng. The past few months have seen a number of documented occurrences of arson, all of which are thought to have been committed by a lone arsonist who breaks into houses, steals things, and then sets the house on fire, mostly in the eastern and northern parts of Johannesburg. Now, you might have heard of some of these stories. Um, I think there's quite a few other media who've reported on this as well. Well, the SAPS is now looking for a man by the name of Centius. Or Sentius Novans, who is suspected to be involved in multiple cases. And if you know where to find him, you can contact Crime Stop Line on 08600 10111. Alternatively, you can drop an anonymous tip off, which you can report on the My Saps application which can be downloaded on any smartphone. And then dark kitchens, and this is not related to any load shedding story, let me tell you. Dark kitchens, well, Hyatt House Rosebank and Hyatt House Santon are doubling up as dark kitchens that serve fast food deliveries, reports FIN24. Food that is only prepared for delivery generally comes out of something called a dark kitchen, so Dark Kitchen isn't necessarily a kitchen that only or, or sells food to a restaurant. They only sell via food delivery apps. And the two kitchens serve Faruki's Daba and Gimba Food brands on Uber Eats, which are currently available in the Rosebank and Santon areas, uh, both South Asian and African cuisine. So if you're into that kind of food, you better check it out. Faruki's Daba and Gimba on your Uber Eats app. Let's leave it right there for the headlines for this week. Next, we head to England to chat to seasoned journalist Chris Bishop for all the latest on the passing of Queen Elizabeth II right after the break.
0: Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za santan to the rest of the world this is the Santon times hour one of the biggest
1: stories of this week uh, and surely for the next couple of weeks is going to be the passing of queen elizabeth II, uh, also known as lily bet to some who are big followers of the crown and uh, wow i mean it's amazing how this one woman has impacted so many lives around the world in in more ways than one and so many people sort of feel at this moment for The UK, the royal family, and I thought it would be great to just touch on this uh, this week, and I'm thrilled to be joined by an ex-colleague of mine, Chris Bishop, who's a journalist and founding editor of Billionaire Tomorrow. He joins me from the United Kingdom, and Chris, it's great to be chatting to you again.
2: Yes, Alex, nice to speak to you too.
1: Well, Chris, what is the mood like uh, at the moment in the UK?
2: She's been a part of a lot of people's lives. I mean, again, every time you look at a uh, banknote, she'll always, uh, uh, she looks back at you. Incredible. Uh, A lot of people uh, here are talking about it, obviously, from around the world. A lot of people are very sad. Some people are like in every country, you have people who didn't like her, who uh, criticised her and the royal family. I mean, you look at the latest shenanigans with Prince Andrew and also with prince harry and Meghan, all that stuff a lot of people have uh, lost a bit of respect but the lady herself i mean the the general feeling about her, a lot of people say oh poor woman she had so much to put up with i mean (laughs) all the family you know the changing of the monarch the changing of the perception of the royal family but one thing you can say about it was a job she never wanted to to do really her father died very young she was in Kenya with uh, her newlywed husband Prince Philip when she got the news that she was queen rushed back to London and as a young woman that was it she was suddenly thrust into this stiff world of the royals she was uh, suddenly made to be you know grow up very quickly and become a diplomat and all the things you have to be and I don't I think she would have rather been done something else. To be honest with you, but she did her job. She stuck to her lane. She she was very very conscientious. She uh, one thing about this country as well, which is quite interesting, is that a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, I saw her. I met her. I was there." She she was out there amongst the people. She wasn't locked away. She wasn't behind a load of security guards all the time. A bit like um, sort of compare this passing to that of Nelson Mandela in 2013, in the fact that a lot of people have got a lot of connection with her, and it's going to be a huge mourning process here for about 10 to 12 days before she's finally buried in Windsor Castle next to Prince Philip, the uh, her husband. So it's going to be quite um, quite a, a few uh, days here ahead in, in the UK.
1: Well, you've touched on it now. I mean, you were behind the television news desk when Nelson Mandela passed away, and it was a very similar kind of situation where he'd also fallen sick. There was a lot of speculation that something would potentially happen over the next couple of days, and then the inevitable did happen. Uh, do you feel like it's a similar moment in the UK?
2: Yes, I think, cause, again, like, like, like Mandela, I mean, a lot of people grew up with, with Mandela Uh, and their minds in South Africa. And when he came out of prison, when he became head of state, there was a lot of affection around the world. I mean, the Queen herself obviously called on him a few times in her uh, time here. Yeah, and and again, as you know, there are some people who don't like Nelson Mandela either. Um, There's always going to be detractors. I've seen stuff online today, which... You know, I I wouldn't have said about somebody if they just passed away, really, honestly. But uh, people are out there saying terrible things. But it is is a bit like that. You know, you've got a world name, an icon. And if you think about it, if you mention two names on this planet, Nelson Mandela and the Queen, everyone knows who you're talking about. You don't have to say the Queen of where. Again, she, I mean, just talking about this public service, I can't emphasise it enough. I mean, even just a couple of days ago, when Liz Truss, the new Prime Minister, she was about to take her um, form a new government. You have to go and meet the Queen and kiss her hand and all that stuff. And the Queen was very, very ill in Balmoral in Scotland. So Liz Truss had to fly up there to see her. But apparently, according to her raise, the Queen was saying, oh, well, can't we fly down to London to save everyone on the trip? I mean, she was in no fit state to go, but that's what she was thinking, right up to the end. And I think a lot of leaders not in Africa and around the world could take a, a leaf out of that book and say, look, leadership's tough. It's hard, but, you know, if you put something into it, it, it's worthwhile.
1: Look, I can only echo those sentiments. I think if we can find someone else who's willing to do a job for 70 years, rock up for work when you're not feeling well and still do your last bit of business two days before your passing, uh, then we can have a conversation. And you're welcome to jump on this, uh, this chat and we can have a chat about how to do things. And, I mean, the same way the Queen also just led in such a consistent very reserved, stoic way is is also just absolutely remarkable. But uh, Her Majesty also had quite a bit of uh, experience in Africa as well, uh, on a diplomatic and on a social, economic uh, level. And Chris, you've obviously traversed Africa. From west to east, to south to uh, to north, uh, you you take us through maybe a little bit of her uh, her life uh, and and her relationship with Africa.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, she she visited twenty countries in her time. I I hope I think I've visited more than twenty countries as a journalist. I'm very proud of that. But I think one thing this passing brings into focus how a little bit how the royal family is a bit of an anachronism now in, in Africa. It's, it's it's almost more nostalgia. Than it is present. But having said that, I mean, one of the things that the Queen and the Royal Family have was this like soft power in the fact that if you say to somebody, oh, um, we want investment from you, or we want to do a trade deal with you, we're going to send the CEO of the company, or we're going to send our prime minister, or or our, our Chancellor of the Exchequer, that's one thing. But if the Queen comes and says, Well, I think it's quite a good idea that uh, we have this trade deal. I think it's quite a good idea we do more business with you. You know, it, it's a bit grander in terms of a negotiating uh, position to be in. But I, I think, you know, I you look at it, I mean, she made a speech from South Africa when she was 21, talking about the, the comedy of nations across Africa, and she's still a princess. I mean, also, I mean, she's great friends with Kenneth Kaunda. She visited, I say, 20 countries. I mean, even one of the most famous incidents was um, in 1961. She thought that newly independent Ghana was going to go over to the Soviet Union in Cold War days. And that was it. They're going to be lost to the Commonwealth, uh, which, again, you can say cynically in this current age, you could say Commonwealth was like the British Empire on the cheap. But it's still a sort of Confederation of Nations and Cooperation. So she actually went for a visit to Ghana, as you go and see Kwame Nkrumah, the first president of independent Ghana, and famously she danced with him. I think the Crown has eulogised it now. She danced with him on the dance floor, and bearing in mind there was still a Calabar in the United States, obviously South Africa had apartheid, Uh, the world was a different place in the 60s, and she danced with him, and it helped ease the diplomatic wheels. I mean, I think that Shows what uh, you know diplomatically, how how savvy she was, etc., etc. But but ultimately, I think that um, King Charles the Third now we look forward to him, what he's going to bring. But I just think the whole world has changed, you know, in her time. I and mean, you look at the 1950s; it was still fairly um, most of the nations in Africa. They weren't they weren't independent. They weren't free. They weren't under majority rule. And now. Everybody has been free since 94. So it's just an interesting closing of one chapter and opening up of a new one.
1: Yeah, and that always brings a a little uncertainty, a little anxiety, I suppose. And like you said, uh, you're now facing God save the king, not God save the queen anymore. And I don't think in our lifetime we'll ever be hearing the words, God save the Queen again. It'll probably be king for quite some time. If you look at sort of the the line of order in terms of who comes next and who comes next, depending on who stays and who goes. What can we expect to see unfolding over the next couple of days and weeks in the UK? I mean, it is a bit unprecedented. We have seen a coronation before, but uh, this will be the first for many.
2: Yeah, I mean, the first is 1952. Um, I think, I mean, King Charles III, I was just thinking last night, uh, hopefully, it's third time lucky. You know, I mean, King Charles I was beheaded by his own people. King Charles II, he died heirless. We had lots of children, but none of them were legitimate. His rule came to a bit of an abrupt end. And hopefully now, King Charles III. He's had one of the longest waits in history to, to ascend to the throne. I mean, like, what, 50 years or something. He, he now is um, going to be uh, people looking to him. But I mean, I think the, the lucky thing for him, I mean, he is quite sort of, how can I put it, forward looking in terms of the royals. He's into the climate change, he's into architecture, all that sort of stuff. But also, he's got the old school imprint of his mother and that, terms of continuity, it's going to be different. Um, it's going to be difficult for him. I think now his great challenge is trying to keep the monarchy alive. You only have to read the papers to see what's been happening in the last sort of uh, decade. I mean, you look at Prince Andrew, the Queen had to pay 12 million. I mean, one of the jokes in this country was they said the grand old Duke of York, he had 12 million quid, he gave it to a woman he didn't know for something he never did. You know, I mean, it's nonsense, really. <laughs> I mean, but he essentially, he then you've got all the fighting with Harry and Meghan and all this uncertainty and William, uh, like, fighting with his brother. I mean, it's very difficult and it's very public now. I mean, in the old days, probably we wouldn't have known those things. It all we be kept behind closed doors. It's very public. And I think he's got to update the monarchy and he's got to show its relevance still. I mean, you know, are they going to be some little like the Belgians or the, you know, whatever, the Dutch of some little corner office, you know, Or well, yes, we've got a monarch. Or, are they going to, um, you know, still make it a, a, a vibrant um, office that aids the state? I don't know. It's up to Charlie. You know I mean, but again, hopefully it's third time lucky.
1: Well, third time lucky indeed. Uh, Chris Bishop, journalist and founding editor of Billionaire Tomorrow. Go Google it and check it out. And uh, I thank you for taking the time to join us all the way from the UK. This is the Santan Times on Mix 93.8 FM. And uh, we're going to take a quick musical break.
0: Back for more? The Santan Times Hour continues.
1: Yes, the Santan Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM. And that was uh, Topic, Robin Schultz, Nico Santos, Paul Van Dyke, all of them within your arms. You might recognize the tune for an angel, one of Paul Van Dyke's massive hits. Taking you into the second half of the Santan Times Hour, my name is Alexander Leipner. And uh, you know the drill. If there's anything that sounded good during the show, but you didn't manage to get all the details, be sure to visit the show notes on www today for a detailed breakdown of everything and anything discussed on this week's edition. Also, be sure to check out the social media accounts at Times and feel free to engage. You can send a tweet, a WhatsApp, a DM, a voice note. Uh, yeah, whatever works for you. Uh, and don't forget, you can also use the hashtag Hour. Now, a service that many of us have used in uh, one way or another is Uber and Uber Eats. And uh, I remember there was a time before Uber and then suddenly there was a time when Uber existed and we couldn't remember what it was like when they didn't exist. And uh, it's become sort of like a default, uh, even from a conversation perspective. And uh, ahead of their 10th anniversary in Africa next year, I thought, well, it's a good time to check in. And uh, joining me is Mpoh Sebelebele. She is head of communications for Uber South Africa. And Mpoh, you guys are sitting uh, just ahead of a milestone in in Africa. Uh, what has it been like for the business as you've been rolling out over the last 10 years.
3: Thank you so much for having me on your show. We're actually quite fortunate to have had the overwhelming support of both drivers and riders across um, sub-Saharan Africa. So in Africa, we're actually split into two regions. So there's North um, North Africa, which is our Egypt uh, business. And we've got SSA, which actually is composed of uh, seven seven countries within sub-Saharan Africa. So, in totality, we're now sitting at over 60 cities that we actually operate in across those different regions. So from the time when Uber started in 2013, we we definitely did not actually think we were going to get to this level of growth so quickly. And it's definitely because of the overwhelming support that we've received even across eaters and delivery people. So We're very proud of the milestone recently, having had completed a billionth trip within Africa. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty much equivalent to uh, filling up Soccer City five thousand times, the amount of people that we've managed to to move around. So it's it's definitely it's definitely humbling the support that we've received.
1: Amazing, yeah. And I, I can say I've I've I think I've used uh, your services outside of South Africa. And when We are talking about the rest of Africa. Uh, I think once in Kenya, I've I've used it. I've used it in Cairo, which is another experience for another day. And uh, it's quite incredible how it just seamlessly goes from one country to another, and it almost feels like you're in your own backyard. Uber. E- eats, from what I know, I mean, you can order your, your burger and your chicken and your uh, whatever your heart desires in terms of food. This new development where you can now suddenly order all kinds of other things that are not necessarily edible. Uh, this is a whole new direction that you're going into. And I think if I remember reading something, it said anything that anyone needs in 30 minutes. Uh, is this going to be competing sort of head on with, with online retailers?
3: I mean, ultimately, we we are building an app of the future. And what that means is that anything and everything that you require as a consumer, we want to be able to provide it for you. Uber Eats was actually built on the concept of being able to get food really, really fast, right? But now we've actually realized the power of the platform actually doesn't only lie on food. It actually lies in so many other consumer goods that we as consumers need, especially those that we need very, very quickly. I'm a mom of three girls, so at times... I I'm having to deal with emergency, having to f- refill the diaper shelf uh, quite quickly because I, I completely forgot that we ran out. So that's the convenience of being able to get something very quickly when you need it. If you look at how we've evolved beyond even categories of uh, you know convenience and and grocery, we've recently onboarded DJ's interest brand era. So looking at jewelry, looking at even traditional herbs that you can actually find. And a lot of these merchants that we're onboarding that fall within the new vertical space are actually local businesses that wouldn't have necessarily have access to the the market in the way that the app has provided them.
1: So if you need sort of toilet paper at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night or, a, I don't know, a, a watch or a pair of shoes, there might be an opportunity in future that you might be ordering it on, on, on Uber Eats.
3: Absolutely. I mean, season is is changing. Uh, People are looking at summer clothes. I mean, we we have some, you know, uh, merchants that are even selling bikinis. So you can get your bikini and your burger literally at the touch of a button. So the opportunities to really diversify are quite endless.
1: Paul, I don't want to say too much, but I'm worried if you're ordering burgers, the bikini might not be the one that you'll be ordering. I think it's going to be you're going to have to be ordering salads at that point if you're going to be buying the bikini as well. But anyway, let's move on quickly. Uh, you've also launched uh, an audio recording security feature. This is something that's just come out from Uber. Uh, just tell us a little bit more about that. How does it work? I mean, we're
3: really excited to be launching this in South Africa. So we're piloting um, we're piloting audio recording, and what that is is you as a rider or even a driver are able to record the trip that you take in any instance, even at any point in the trip. So whether it's at the beginning of the trip or in the middle of the trip, you decide you need to record it. That recording is actually encrypted. So we've literally, we've built it with safety and privacy in mind to be able to allow for that peace of of mind for riders that we're actually using it for incidents uh, around safety that may actually occur it allows us to really provide um, a more adjudicated way of um, treating and investigating cases to make sure that we actually are taking the corrective measures um, and that it's not a he said she said you know type of situation
1: well in this case you'll be able to say what he said and what she said but how does this work practically so i'll get into the car and then will it automatically start recording or will the driver or, or will I advise the driver or the driver will advise me that he will now press record on the audio recording on the app. And we're all aware of that whatever conversation we're going to have over the next 15, 20, half an hour minutes uh, is going to be recorded.
3: Sure. So how it works Say in the instance of a rider. So on your app, your driver will be accepting. It will say so-and-so is um, has accepted your trip. They're on their way. The minute you get into the car, it obviously tells you that, okay, you're heading to this direction. You literally have got that feature popping up as part of your trip information for you to actually press manually to say, I would like to record this trip. So it doesn't automatically record because of the opt-in feature that we've built in. We want people to have the freedom of choice to be able to whether to record or not. And when it does record... On the driver's side, it will show that this person that you are transporting potentially is recording. So very similar to how you call it your call center and says um, this call may be recorded. It's also two ways. So the, the driver will also know if the rider is actually recording and vice versa. So there's transparency all around in terms of what, which trips are actually recorded and may actually be recorded.
1: Okay. And I mean it's 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 also probably meant to be used at a moment where things are maybe getting a bit heated or things are getting into a difficult position. I mean, I've had some great conversations in uh, in Ubers with some of the drivers. They've got some incredible stories to share, but I don't necessarily want to have those recorded for <laughs> for historical Absolutely. purposes.
3: Absolutely. I mean, we we still want people to have the freedom to be relaxed and you know, be able to have the conversations that they would naturally have if they were not being recorded. The The, the recording is actually not intended to, to just capture data for the sake of it. It's actually intended to provide a better adjudication process should something happen. That recording, it actually automatically when the trip ends, it ends the recording or you can opt to end it yourself if you, if, if you want to end it before the trip ends. And once uh, the recording stops, it actually gets stored into the Uber app cloud. No one actually has access to it. No you, no the driver, no Uber. Only when you as a writer say, hey, uh, there was an incident that happened and I'd like to report this. And you have the option to then say, I'm giving Uber access to decrypt this file for this trip so that they can actually investigate That's actually the main reason why we have it installed, is to be able to investigate thoroughly those cases that are actually of safety concerns.
1: Well, so much more to discuss, but time is not on our side. Uh, Mpoh Bele, Head of Communications for Uber South Africa, thank you so much for making the time to be on the Santon Times Hour.
0: Follow the Santon Times on social media.
1: At Santon Times.
0: Well, it's that time of the year again when
1: uh, people who are into gaming, if you're into comics, if you're into cartoons, animation, and everything in between uh, get to venture out into the world and get to do the thing they love doing so much. And, uh, and maybe even if you're not, maybe you're just curious or maybe you're just into elements of it. Well, Comic-Con Africa 2022 is around the corner and I thought, well, let's get someone on to chat about this, maybe to induct those who've never been and to encourage those who have been many a times over the last couple of years. Thrilled to be joined by Carla Musman. She's the show director for Comic-Con Africa. And Carla, thank you so much for joining us on the Santon Times Hour.
4: Thanks so much for having me, Alex. It's good to be here.
1: Well, Carla, tell us a little bit more about Comic-Con. For for someone who's never been to Comic-Con, what is the show all about?
4: Well, I think you pretty much put it in in a nutshell there. It's about comics, art, and everything in between. I think for those who've never been to Comic-Con Africa, it's the ultimate pop culture and gaming festival featuring everything from comics, uh, international film and series celebs, cosplay. We've got two new additions to the show this year, which is opening and broadening to a bigger crowd called StreetCon and StreamerCon. So it really is everything. But I think anybody out there who enjoys or loves a superhero or good superhero story should be at the show
1: absolutely and like i suppose you've sort of pointed in the right direction that it's not just for people who are hardened gamers or who enjoy dressing up as a character from lord of the rings or a character from one of the many animated series out there and decides to come along it's not just for those people it's also for people who who might just be curious or who might just be sort of part-time fans who can come along and, enjo- and enjoy the show?
4: 100%. No, definitely. I think there's something for everyone. Um, I, I mean, goodness gracious, our pop culture hall, which is one of our biggest halls, you know, features collectibles, comic books, all merchandise – everything everyone wants to see and shop for. And I think we've got KidsCon too, which is another whole dedicated hall, which also makes it the ultimate family day out. So everything for Comic-Con for the kids. Um, And we've actually seen the parents enjoy that hall a hell of a lot more than the kids do. So it really does have something for everyone. It's not just your gamers or your pop culture lovers. Um, We've seen many people come, come to the show in the previous years and be completely converted because it really does become a full weekend out.
1: Well, I suppose you've probably hinted at that. It's probably like a great disguise for some parents just to get out and yeah. uh, in, indulge their own indulge their own entertainment, never mind uh, some of the kids'. In
4: fact, all adults who come to Comic-Con, really, it's a chance to be just that grown-up kid. You get to live, and the nostalgia, and never mind superheroes, and you get to dress up, like a really big dress-up party. I mean, who doesn't enjoy going to a dress-up party? Yeah everybody comes out dressed up. It's an amazing atmosphere.
1: Well, it's happening 22nd to 25th of September at the Johannesburg Expo Center. Have you got any big draw cards coming to the show this year? I know it's always been known to be the kind of show where you bring in international celebrities, you know, the, the, the likes of those characters who've played in Marvel movies, or you know, and similar.
4: We always bring out some international film and series celebs as well as international comic book artists as well as international cosplayers. So we really do bring the world to Africa. Very excited with our talent highlights this year. We will be featuring Salwyn Ward, who's a Red Power Ranger, and Tati Gabrielle, who's very well known for her, her parts in the, new, the latest Uncharted movie, as well as You. And then we've got Ross Butler, which many of our 13 Reasons Why fans will enjoy to come see. He also features in Shazam! And then, of course, the infamous Jamie Campbell Bauer, who is Vecna in Stranger Things, has caused quite a stir.
1: You're taking it to the Johannesburg Expo Center, Nazarek, which is incredibly massive. I mean, They used to have Mm. the RAND show there, and I think the RAND show these days still battles to fill out every corner of Nazarek. What's the motivation behind taking it there, and, and, and how many of those halls are you going to be occupying?
4: So this year, I think we're, the, we needed to find the biggest venue in Africa, looking at the imminent growth of the show. In 2018, we launched Comic-Con in South Africa. We launched it at Kailami Racecourse, and we really were expecting about 15,000 people to come through. However, we sold out with about 38,000 people who came to the door. So we had to move because we outgrew that venue and found ourselves at Gallagher and outgrew that in 2019 with over 71,000 people who came through for the weekend. So it was time to move to the biggest venue. And currently Johannesburg Expo Center is the biggest venue in Africa. Uh, We're not taking over the whole space. We're going to be occupying three halls. Um, Those three halls will focus on pop culture, gaming, and kids' con. And we're just ready to now, over the next three years, grow into the full
1: venue. Unbelievable. What what are we looking at in terms of uh, entrance prices and, and any sort of additional events that people can attend?
4: Well, the great thing about comic con from a little bit as as little as 190 rand gets you into the show and that gets you access to all these features so you get access to comic book artists you get access to all the cosplay you get access to kids con to street con to streamer con talent you get to see them on the main stage if you would like an autograph or photo op with them you purchase that separately but it really is everything from the food truck villages to the beer villages to a full weekend out for us. little as 190 rand.
1: Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Carla Massman, she's the show director for the 2022 Comic-Con Africa. And that's happening from the 22nd to the 25th of September 2022. Uh, Carla, thank you for making the time to be on the Santon Times Hour. And with that, let's take a quick music break.
0: Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za.
1: You're tuned into the Saturn Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM, available also as a podcast straight after our live broadcast, uh, and that's on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, and uh, half a dozen other platforms. So you can uh, pick and choose. That was The Temper Trap with Sweet Disposition, and as we draw ever so near to the end of this week's edition, I promised you that I would let you in on a little secret... More specifically, Secret Eats. And uh, I'm joined by Darren Meltz. He's the event director for Secret Eats. And Darren, it's so good to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Tell us a bit more about Secret Eats. How how does it work?
5: Thanks so much, Alex. I really appreciate the time. So Secret Eats is all about curious dining. So our diners don't know where they're going, who's cooking, what's in the menu, any other details for the evening. And they put their trust completely in us. So you go on our website, thesecreteats.com, and you request an invite. And then as soon as our uh, monthly signature dinners are released and our, our bookings open, you'll receive an email with all the details. And we, we hint and allude to what could be happening on the evening just to entice you, um, get your mouth watering. And then you go and book for the dinner. And then the location gets revealed the morning of the event. And then you come and join us and see what secrets we have in store.
1: So this is something for the adventurous eater, also for someone who enjoys uh, food that isn't sort of the the ordinary dish that you might have uh, on a usual weekday night. This is for someone who enjoys something a little bit more adventurous and uh, certainly a culinary experience. Darren, if you had to look back on some of the secret eats that you have had, give us a bit of an idea of what people can expect. I mean, you're not taking them down to the local, local Wimpy for a burger and chips.
5: No, not at all. We've... Uh... We've hosted in in art galleries, rooftops, sometimes even in uh, milkwood forests. We we use boutique hotels, just any, any venue which is unique and off the beaten track. So nowhere where you can just go book a normal dinner and just go sit down and uh, enjoy what's on offer. We always take you to something that's unique.
1: So it's really a curated and created experience uh, that you're giving people. Like you were saying, also just eating in places that you wouldn't normally eat and also eating dishes that you probably would normally not be able to order anywhere. Uh, Darren, you also host this across the country. It also runs for uh, sort of two or three consecutive nights. Uh, give us a bit of an idea of how the format works.
5: Um, yeah, so we we do the the same evening... Um, a mirror image of it from one night to the next for two nights. But then once those are done for the month, they never happen again. So we bring together um, a chef, uh, a wine farm or a unique alcohol sponsor and the venue. And then we pair everything together and come up with a menu and pairings and an experience specific to the chef in the space and whoever else is involved. And that'll happen on, say, a Friday and a Saturday evening. And then after that, that that evening is gone and never to be experienced again. And the next secret eat will be something completely different.
1: So I get to find out where I'm eating on the day, and then and then how much do I do I get to eat? I mean, is it one course, two courses, is it six courses? It's
5: four courses, and then we also have a welcome drink and a canapé. So there's plenty of food and plenty of drink to go around.
1: And it's also quite an intimate gathering. I mean, this is not you're not going to be sitting with hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, I think, no, I think no. you sort of cap it at, at about 40. Is that right? It's, uh, it's normally between 20 and, and 40 guests. Okay. So 20, 20 to 40 guests sounds very intimate. That sounds uh, very comfortable. And uh, you might also meet some very interesting people, probably people who are probably interested in food just like you are if you decide to, uh, to go on a Secret Eats. Now, you've got a Secret Eats coming up at the end of September. Tell us a little bit more about that.
5: Yes, we have one on the 30th of September and the 1st of October. And that one is titled The Future of Fine Dining. So we have um, an international chef from the UK who's gonna be joining us and curating the menu along with uh, a whole team of their uh, protégés. So um, it's gonna be a, a huge team effort, but it's going to be led by this
1: international chef. Fantastic. And uh, what is the uh, what, what secret to eat set people back if they want to uh, have a look into this and maybe book a, a book a seat?
5: It's a thousand two hundred per person. And then sometimes depending on the venue, we have stay over options where There'll be a room rate, which will which fluctuates, and then people can uh, book and then stay for breakfast the next morning.
1: Ah, fantastic! So it's not just one night art; you can actually make a whole a whole feast of it. We'll put all the details up on the Santon Times uh, show notes on the website if you want to get all those details again. And Darren Melts, event director for Secret I thank you for joining us on the Santon Times Hour. And that's it for another edition of the show on Mix ninety three point eight FM. It is always available as a podcast on uh, whatever platform you prefer. And enjoy. Make sure that you subscribe, you like, you rate, you do all the good things that you need to do. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at SantonTimes.co.za or you can connect with us on social media at SantonTimes. And you can also visit the website, www.santonTimes.co.za. And feel free to send through your questions or comments. And uh, it's always good to hear from you. It's good to get your feedback. Thank you to all our guests who made the time to be with us this week, a historical week, a moment in history when the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, passes on and a new monarch comes to the throne and we, a new era starts in not just british politics in british relations but also in global relations and uh, what it means for the monarchy and what it means for the world well we wait and see vincenzo thank you as always for doing your bit in the production booth and making sure we sound good every single week and thank you to the Standard times team as well as everyone on mix 93.8 fm thank you for listening and let's connect again next week
0: that's it for this week thanks for listening to the Santin times hour and if you enjoyed it be sure to share it